Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, everyone. Uh, how are y'all doing? Yeah, good? All right, all right. So uh, we're in a overall topic of being rooted in Christ or, or, being, or the word rooted is our word. So everybody say rooted. Say rooted. <laughs> so anyways, um, we picked a verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 6 in Colossians to be our uh, verse to uh, sort of support what we're talking about. And we're in the book of Colossians, which is... Uh, we're going to be going through it verse by verse, and I am be speaking today on verse 9, and so uh, this morning, as we get uh, our sound a little situated here, I'll uh, give you a little bit of background about Colossians. Colossians is a letter written to the churches in Colossae, is what you'd call it, that's the city, and in that region and in that area. And um, Paul is writing this letter from jail as he got word about that area and what was going on. And what was going on was that there was this extra stuff going on, like uh, you might have to, uh, you know, pray to something or to someone or to believe something extra other than the words of Christ, other than the gospel, to be able to stand and to be able to live and to know uh, who God is and what he got, God wants for our lives. And so these uh, were coming in and they were starting to, uh, people were starting to believe them is going to lead people away from the church. Now, um, I'm in verse 9, and we're going to just take this verse little by little, and we're going to go through it this morning. So would you pray with me as I pray for myself and, and the church? I know we pray, but let's pray one more time. Father, just thank you for this morning. And um, let your words, not my words, be here today. And may you speak, God, as you use this natural means to do something spiritual and help me God to be able to repent and to turn from all the things that I believe that were wrong even leading up to this sermon in this scripture and that may I always believe you and what you say in Jesus name amen so Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 and it says and so from the day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So in the first part of this verse 9, it says that they heard something about the church in Colossae. What did they hear? Well, we have to go back to verse 4. So if you go up to verse 4, and I didn't include this, but if you have your Bibles open, we're going to be right here. It says, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So the very first thing that Paul is addressing is that they do not cease to pray since they had heard of their faith. Now, Paul puts first things first. So he says, I wanna talk about your faith. I wanna talk about what we heard of. What is faith? Anybody know what faith is? Well, faith is belief and confidence and trust. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, the substance and evidence 
The substance and the evidence is our faith. Our faith becomes the substance and the evidence because it's a confidence. That's not our own, right? If you believe right now, you have faith. Now, where does this faith come from? Where does this confidence, where does this substance, where does this evidence of believing come from? Uh, Ephesians 2.8 says, and that's our next verse, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Now, I don't know where you're at in your walk or how many churches you've gone to or what kind of spiritual upbringing or if this is your first time, but I don't want to take for granted in the fact that sometimes when people say, you just need to have faith, or where's your faith, or come on, I thought you had faith, it's like they think we can like manufacture this stuff, you know, we could make this happen. And I want to say many churches preach that way all the time. They say, because you do, right, that's what's going to make you have faith. Or it's something that you could make happen. Like, you know, there's times where we doubt. There's times we get discouraged. There's times we get scared. There's times that, that we feel like we have no faith at all. And what happens in those times? God is faithful to be faithful to us. And then all of a sudden, he gives us faith. Because it says that it is not our own doing, but that it's a gift from God. This whole walk is a walk of faith. So we know now that it's faith that comes from God. He gives it to us. He gives us faith. And that's relieving when we are low in faith or have no faith. What I like about that too is it means that no one can take credit. No one can say, hey, I'm a Christian, or I do this for God, or I do good things because of my faith, or because I have faith because of me. No, it's been given to you. Now, how does faith come? By what means of, or ways does God use to give faith? Romans 10, 17 says, read it for me up there. Faith. Ah, I sprung that on you. I didn't think you were just going to sit back and chill today. So it comes by how? Hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Imagine we're speaking the words of Christ this morning. You read the words of Christ. You listen on the radio to the words of Christ. Radio, nobody listens to radio. But, you know, you listen somewhere from the words of Christ. You can tell I'm dated, right? Uh, and what happens? Faith comes. Now, that's something that I want you to hold on to, is that throughout this sermon, the truth that God gives faith, and it comes through the words of God. Let's move on to the next part of what he heard of. He heard of their faith, and he also heard of their love. What is love? 1 John 4, 8 says... So. What is love? God is love, right? How do we know what love is like? Where does love come from? You know, what really is love? God is love. So we have to get to know who God is and what he says. Everything he does flows from his love. Everything he does 
flows from his love because he is love. 1 John 3.16 says, this Wow. Thinking about what love is, it's Jesus Christ laying down his life for you and for me. That's a lie. Laying down his life, the perfect person, the one that did no wrong, the one that did not need to lose his life, lay down his life. That is what love is. Now, how do we get love? Romans 5.5 5 says, God's love Wow. How do we get love? God pours his love through the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Do you see a little connection here on why Paul is saying, we thank God since we had heard of your faith that is a gift and your love that's also a gift that God has poured. Do you see a pattern here how God is working in the church He's creating the church through pouring in his faith, giving them faith, and pouring in love. It is impossible to love without God. Now, how do, know, how do we know we have love? 1 John 4.12 says, how do we know we have love? Amen. God's love and, and love is never vacated from loving one another, ever. That's how we know we have God's love. He's praying and he's thanking God because he heard of their love. Obviously, they have a great love one for another. Let's go back to verse 9. And it says, and so from the day we heard... They heard of their faith and their love. That is what God has done. He has given them, right? Faith and, and poured into their hearts love. This is what Paul had heard. Paul had heard of this great love. That's amazing, church. And the reason why it's so amazing is today, in this morning, right here, right now, Paul could unashamedly be able to be here and say the same thing about the veil. He could say, I have heard of your faith and your love. Because if you're a believer here today and you're gathered together, the Bible calls that the body of Christ. And since, just like in the church of Colossae, Christ pours in faith, gives faith, and pours in love. Therefore, if you believe, he pours in faith to you, and he gives, I mean, he gives you faith and pours love inside of you as well. And he can stand here and say, I have heard of your faith and your love. We got to know that this is real and this is true and that God does this and it's in us. It's not us doing this. This isn't something we can pat ourselves on the back and say, look how good we are at loving and look how good we are at having faith. But that God does that in us. Rest assured that, God would, that Paul would have the same words of the Ville Church today. In verse 9, going back, it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. 
So he hears about their faith, hears about their love. This is all God's doing. He says, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. Here we find Paul saying, when they prayed, they were asking, right? Asking. This, is how, this shows that they were looking to God for something. So because if faith is given by God and love is poured out by God, everything else will be done by God as well. And therefore, that's why they're asking. With prayer, there is a reliance. There is a dependency and a connection. An intimacy, a relationship with God. There is communication. There is communion coming together. We also see that there is thanksgiving, and that's what this is, a prayer of thanksgiving. It says, and so from that day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with all knowledge and will of a spirit of wisdom and understanding. In verse 3, it says, we always thank God. So there's this prayer of appreciation, this prayer of thanksgiving. So prayer has a petition. It has an asking, and it has a thanking. We thank God for things. We're able to see what he has done and what we, he will do. It's very important. Again, it's putting focus on him. It's putting focus on what he has done and what he will do. It's the spirit of God that enables us to see things to be thankful for. And also things that we need to ask for. And you see that in Romans 8.26. Not that it's up here, but it says that it's the spirit that intercedes and uh, there's groanings too deep for us to understand. It, it intercedes on our behalf. So we find him thanking God and we find him praying. And this prayer is a reliance on God. I don't know about you, but there are times that there are some really tough situations in life. Anyone have one this week? Anyone have one last week? Anyone going to have one this next week? Right? Things that happen in life, right? On uh, uh, sickness, uh, bad news, you know, uh, an angry customer, you know, things happen. Tragedies, uh, unforeseen bills come up. Maybe sometimes there's nothing that happens, but all of a sudden you just don't feel right. Things just don't seem right. Some of you are in a long battle and you have things that are going, have been going on for a long time that you're, you're just trenching away just one step out of a time and you're up against that hill every time. We need God to be able to show us what to pray for. We need God to be able to show us what to be thankful for. And we need God to even pray. There's this constant dependency upon God. Now, the rest of verse 9, it says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And this is where we're going to work mostly this morning with that theme of God is doing this, right? So to be filled means to be filled up all the way. A couple of examples is Moses was building the tabernacle. I didn't include these, but I'm going to read the scripture. And there was a person that uh, he points out and he says, he has filled this person, he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. 
So we see that God fills the person with the ability. God fills the person with the workmanship. That's what we find in this scripture. This filling is again God. In another one, Paul was praying, Philippians 1.1 says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus to the glory of God. Again, there's two verses pointing out the same word fill as something that Jesus, Holy Spirit does working in us, okay? So filled, filled with what? It says the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So before we talk about what is God's will, God's overarching will, I want to talk a little bit about and ask you, what do you think when you hear, what is God's will? Just the word, God's will. What do you think when you hear, what is God's will? I think it's most common, maybe, maybe not, that what we're really asking is, what is God's will for me? Right. What car should I buy? What house, uh, you know, where should I, what job, should I take this job? You know, should I help this person? Should I be this person's friend? Should I move over here? Uh, should I be at this church? Should I do this ministry? Should, should I, should I, what, what is God's will for me, right? What is God's will for me? And I think that's what we think, if that's pretty common, and we'll talk about that, is what is God's will for me, right? Um, here are some of the ways that we equate God's will or being in God's will and finding God's will. So here are some ways we equate being in God's will, finding God's will, all right? First off, when it comes to something that we do, it should be people should do what they love. When it comes to work or even as a volunteer. Does that ring a bell? Does anybody ever think about when it comes to a career or what's going on or what you learn in school? I should do, people should do what they love. There's a very popular saying that if you find something, I don't know if you ever heard it, that you, that you love to do and you're getting paid for it, then you'll never work a day in your life. Anybody ever heard that? Raise your hands if you ever heard that. Holy smokes, I'm not the only one this morning. So with that, there's another one. Do what you're made to do according to your gifts, your talents, your abilities, according to what you like. Isn't that true as well? We hear that. Hey, just do what you're good at, what your talents are, your abilities, according to what you like. Or what about knowing your purpose and living out that purpose? Doing what makes you happy and fulfilled. Many times when it comes to what is God's will for my life, we ask, is this going to make me happy? Will it help me fulfill my purpose? Will it help me find my purpose? Will I get paid to do what's hap- what makes me happy? But let's test that with the scriptures. This is a long scripture, but it has very important points here. So let's test that out, out with the life of the Apostle Paul. So a little background on Apostle Paul. He is one that was an enemy of God. He persecuted the church, basically ISIS, when it comes to the church, seriously. And he would uh, get people, arrest them, and then before you know it, they'd be either stoned or slaughtered or killed. That's what Paul, who Paul was. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Paul has uh, been credited the reason why you and I are here today hearing the gospel. So a guy that wrote, wrote more letters and, and achieved more than anyone else next to Jesus. 
Jesus is the only other one that's done more. We find Paul here with this, what is God's will for my life? Will I find my purpose? Will, this, will, I, will I be happy? And let's look if we can see if that will stick with this guy, Paul. So what does it say here in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty one to 31? Do we have that? Or did I not? Oh, my other guy took a smoke break. No, I was kidding. <laughs> Maybe true. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 11. I better go there in case we don't. Let's see here. If you have your Bibles, open there as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Chapter 11, verses, um, what did I say there? 21 to 31. Here we go. So, but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. So here's his life. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. That first part that he's talking about, if people want to talk about, man, you're really something if you're an Israelite. You're really something if you're X, Y, Z. He says, I'm all those, but that's not what I'm talking about here. And then he goes into the purpose of God's life for him. Let's check this purpose out because, I mean, this is really what we believe, right? We've got to find this purpose. Uh, let's see if we find this purpose here. Um, far more greater labors. What? We got to labor? Who wants to labor? Anybody want to labor up here? Nope. Uh, far more imprisonments. Anyone up to my life and my purpose and my dream is to be in prison. What about with countless beatings? Oh, man, where's that class? Where do they teach you to discover your talents, your gifts, and your, be and your, and your, um, your abilities to be beat countless times? Countless. That means he already lost count. Often near death. Where's the near death gift? The near death ability. Man, imagine writing a book like that. Purpose-driven near death ability gift life best life now right five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one five times 39 times lashed could you imagine that what's the next scripture after that we're at 26 three times I was beaten with rods okay rods gift once I was hey I'm up there rods gift uh, once I was stoned Imagine rocks pouted. Um, three times I was shipwrecked, and a night a day I was adrift at sea. Okay, so uh, one day I want to learn my purpose and I learn my gift so I could learn to be lost at sea. Anyone signing up yet? Anyone signing up yet? On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, okay, river rafting maybe, dangers from robbers, got to learn how to hide my stuff, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. Man, I thought we had enough. Here we go. In toil and hardship, 
through many sleepless nights in hunger. Does that sound like God's purpose and God's will, the one that's being spoken to us in our culture today? I mean, can we, does that even stick to, can that stick here? I don't think so. Uh, in hunger and in thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is this daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Wow. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. Isn't that amazing? So when we look at this idea of finding our purpose and, 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 and according to our gifts and our abilities, and I want to tell you, church, that I want to make a public confession that I uh, want to repent of actually saying this to people as well. My, my motto would be if someone was, you know, 18, 19, I would sit them down and I'd say, hey, you know, so what do you like to do in school? Do you like math? Do you like science? You know, have you ever worked? Yeah. What do you like in that job? And try to help them find what they like and find what they're good at and encourage them to go do that. That would not stick with Paul right here. It wouldn't stick with Paul. And I'm sorry to say up until I studied the scripture, that's how I believed. So if you're feeling a little bad for thinking like that, I'm right there with you, right? Um, I'm not wanting you to feel condemned. I just want for God to do what he's going to do in your life like he's doing in mine. Because it's so important, um, and we'll talk about this later. Let me just continue. So we find Paul, and then what about people in third world countries? Uh, I remember going to El Salvador once, and uh, while I was there, the, the wage was $6 a day, but the gas was still two fifty. dollars right. um, I think rent was about 100 bucks a month. Or I think it was $100 a month. Wait, six? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember now. Now I'm getting confused. But anyways, $6 a day is what the wage was. Um, and I remember trying to, you know, just figure out how they make and how they do it. So anyways, in third world countries, it's very common to know that it's not so much like, you know, what j job or career, what I want to do, but it's like, what could I do today to feed my family today and, and maybe tomorrow? Um, and sometimes not even today. I'll, I'll hold off for today so I can actually eat tomorrow. Um, so that wouldn't stick either, right? Uh, that would not stick either in, in that situation. What about our immigrants um, who come legally or illegally? And just on the, on the topic of immigrants, all of us are immigrants in this country other than the Native Americans, which I found out I'm like 24% just the other day on Ancestries. <clears throat> so... <laughs> that's horrible and I can't believe I just did that so anyways how about immigrants who come legally or illegally at first it's very very hard um, they may not have a choice in what jobs they do they sometimes come as you know uh, teachers or nurses doctors um, you know supervisors of, of companies and had their own businesses but they're coming and they need a job and sometimes they have these jobs that are just, you know, the lowest or the, the ones that maybe other people don't want. Whatever it is, whatever it is to just work. And we find that. We see that even in our city. We see that in, in, in Florida. I saw it in Santa Fe. And um, very, very common. 
It doesn't mean that one day they don't prosper, they don't grow in, in the financial world or in their jobs because many times some of them become very successful. Um, but I want to say it doesn't mean that you can actually do the field that maybe they went to school for where they were at before they came to America, right, to the United States. What about here in Jacksonville? Right where we're at, where the ville is planted, very common that a 17 and 18 year old that's about to graduate from high school, if they're graduating or got to that point and haven't had to try to get a job and work and make things happen first, it's very common that they try to find a job, get a job, but yet they need good transportation, which a car bill is quite a bit with insurance, get there to work, get back home to be able to, what, have enough money, to have enough for rent, all these things, and, and really a minimum wage job is very, very hard to accomplish that with. So many times that doesn't even happen because they don't even have the transportation. Um, that's one of the reasons why we're here, right? We as a church look at those things and long term we hope to be able to help and encourage one person at a time, if that, um, to be able to help in that situation. But could you go up to someone like that um, um, let me just hold this for, hold, hold this for a minute here. Um, there's a couple of problems. Um, with that is that we are putting this burden, we're putting this heavy load when we tell them, hey, you can be whatever you want. You just need to find what you're good at. You need to fulfill your purpose and fulfill your goal and fulfill whatever it is that you were made to do in this world. They may never if whatever it is that they like or want, be able to ever do that. Most of us have never been able to do what we like or want in this room. So we together are with all the above. Um, Paul the Apostle, the people, uh, Paul the Apostle, the people in the third world countries, the immigrant, the young people in our city, and not just young people, but people in general, how crushing would it be if you were to preach to them to find their dream job, to do what they are made to do according to what they like and are good at, and only then will they be happy and fulfilled, right? That finding God's will is equal to the things turning out good or happy. How heavy is that? It did not sound very good or happy what turned out for Paul, the apostle, or for Jesus, well, guess where you and I are? We're right there with them. There is a couple of problems even when this happens to very people that have found their dream jobs. There's a very few people that find whatever it is they love to do, even if it's a job or volunteer, it doesn't matter, and doing what they love. The reason why there's a problem is because what they're doing be can become who they are. What we do can become who we are. And it doesn't even have to become with work. It could be a stay-at-home mom becomes who you are. They will have to pull, uh, they'll have to sacrifice other things for this. Sometimes times for relationships, health, and even the most important, being with God. Sometimes when what we do becomes who we are and we love what we do, this is amazing, I can't believe I'm able to get to do this, it becomes who you are, so you'll sacrifice other things that eventually will take away from the the very ability to do what you do. Especially when you're in ministry. Ministry is another one. You are doing these things for God without being with God. 
and your doing is outweighing your being, okay? Stopping to rest in the gospel, stopping to rest in that God loves you, stopping to rest in that he has you, and you just keep doing and doing and doing. Second is that if they were to lose their ability or the opportunity to do what they, can, what they love, it can be devastating. So sometimes we think, man, of envy, if I could just be like that person, if I could just do that, if I could just get this, if I could just have that, if it could be just this way for me, you have no idea how hard it may be in their situation if they end up losing that, right? Be careful what we ask for, not to be afraid, but it's always important to have wisdom. God never meant for you to take your gaze off of him and put it on what you love to do. Way back in Genesis chapter one, that's what happened. There was a tree of knowledge of good and evil and they took their eye off the tree of life. They took their eye off of God and they put it on something else and that's what caused us fall. And ever since we have been plagued with this, there's always something better out there. Pastor uh, Elder Tony spoke to us uh, last week about that. Is there some other better life, right? So what is the will of God and your purpose? What is the will of God? What is God's overarching will? God's overarching will is the redemption of mankind. The redemption of mankind. Redemption is the acting of saving or being saved from sin. Sin is what keeps us from God. Sin is what keeps us out of relationship with God. Sin is what brings spiritual death. And that's all of our beginning because we're all born sinners, we're all born spiritually dead. Galatians chapter 4 says, Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God. You want to know the will of God? The will of God is to give himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age and that's called redemption. Redemption is the over arching will of God. He made this covenant before the world began, and this covenant is forever. Psalms 111 says, the works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprighteousness, and provided redemption for his people. He ordained, that means he set that in order forever before time ever came. His covenant forever, holy and awesome is his name. Many times we are looking for the will of God. Many times we're trying to find out what is God's will for me? Is it this job? Is it this place I should live? Is this what I should do? Is this this relationship? What should I buy? What should I have? Where should I go? Am I in the will of God? I want you to know today that if you're a believer and you put your faith in Christ, that means that his will is over your life. It is his redemption. He has this plan, this will that's set over your life and everything that you do, wrong and right, is being worked out for that redeeming plan, that plan of redemption. Everything. We get so caught up. I can't tell you how many sleepless nights I've been caught up on, am I making the right choice? Am I in the will of God? I can't tell you how many discouraging, regretful times I've had, times of depression, because I feel I made the wrong choice and I was out of the will of God. What? 
Is God's will beneath my will? Is God's will uh, can be twisted or manipulated or controlled? Is God's will able to be uh, diverted or thwarted? That makes me God, not God. God's will, it says here, he works of his hands are faithful. That means it never, never, never stops. And is just. That means it's good and perfect and right, exact. Never, ever is there anything wrong. And his precepts are trustworthy. You can put your whole trust, your whole confidence that there is a redemption over your life that God is working no matter what happens. They are established forever. It does not stop. And it's enacted in faithfulness, his faithfulness, in uprighteousness, his uprighteousness. And he provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. The thing about his covenant, it's made between him and himself. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before time. So therefore, your actions have nothing to do with the ability of this plan to come to place because he's the one carrying it out. That gives us so much rest. That gives us so much peace. That gives us so much joy. Because guess what? You're beginning in Christ and you're ending Christ, it's a done deal, baby. It's a done deal. And the reason why it's a done deal is because it's his will, not our will. It's because it's his plan and not our plan. So don't get so caught up into you having to figure out what God's will is for your life. We'll talk a little bit more about that. The will of God for your life is to redeem you. That means that he wants to take what was broken by sin, and he wants to sanctify it, make it more like Christ. He wants to restore that, and he's doing that because it says that he's doing it in us. It's his works in us, and he doesn't stop. That's why we feel bad. We feel bad about things because something's not right, and God is working even in that to allow him to see that we need him, right? He's working and redeeming through the gospel, God's doing. The gospel is all God. We've, we've preached that a million times against, just like we said before, uh, faith and love. Just like we said before, faith and love is God's doing. That's what he prays and thanks God for. And the will of God is God's doing. He prays for them to have full knowledge of the will of God, full knowledge of what God is doing, his will in your life. Now, your purpose is found in the plan of redemption, and that's one thing. Purpose is good. Don't get me wrong. I want to have a little side note here. There's nothing wrong with a dream. There's nothing wrong with a purpose. There's nothing wrong with goals. There's nothing wrong with finding your talents and your gifts and using them to the best that God gives you. Yes, and amen. Just do it. Just go. It's fine. No big deal. But don't spiritualize every single thing. Man, if uh, I drive down the road and, and I see, uh, you know, someone cross the road and, and they're on the exact street, that means that's where I got to live. You know what I'm saying? Don't wait for, oh, I really just need to feel it in my heart to really feel strong whether I should hop out in church. Like, serious? You know? <laughs> Whatever. Um, now, your purpose is found in his plan of redemption. Your purpose is to live holy and obedient lives through the power of God working in you. Did you catch that? Not you doing holy and obedient life without Christ. No, through the power of God working in you, anything that we take away get in, or gets in the way or keep you, anything that can take you away or get in the way or keep you from that is not God's purpose for your life. So if you're asking, should I go uh, take this job? 
Should I move here? Should I be in this place? Should I, should I, should I, should I? Is this God's will? Well, question is, will it take you away? Will it get in the way? Will it keep you from obeying God? Then that's not God's purpose, and that's not God's will. Life is not about finding the will of God. Life is not about finding the will of God. At least this is what I think. This is my opinion, so don't take this as, as Bible, but but resting in the fact that the will of God found you. Yep, life is not about finding the will of God. But resting in the fact that the will of God found you. And I know that's sort of quirky in how it's said, but sort of puts it in perspective. God's will was that he would find you because you were lost and so I was lost. You may have not ever had the experience to do what you love to do. And if you are, praise God, there's nothing wrong with that. You may never have had experience to do what you love to do as a profession or job. But if you are blessed with knowing how much God loves you because of the gospel and in return, you're able to love him and love others just one more day, just one more second, living on this earth, one more breath, just knowing how much God loves you and how you're able to love others, then there's no other will to find in that. There's no greater purpose in that. I think of my dad that woke up at four or five in the morning, 35, he's still doing it, 35 years in the road, to drive up a mountain to a job, to go work from the bottom up, day in and day out. How dare I talk to my, my dad and say, you weren't living your purpose. You didn't find what talent and gift you were doing good at. My grandfather that stepped into a bread truck every day. You know what? He made it. Wow. Because he did the bread truck thing, guess what? I never, I never see him work because by the time I got to know him, he was retired probably for like 30 years. House paid off, car paid off. Used to go to senior citizens playing pool, casinos playing cards. Coming in at three in the morning. That's all I knew of my grandfather. Seriously. He like lived the life. Man. Anyways, getting off track there. <laughs> How dare I say that, right? How we dare we say the person that's in a field harvesting what we eat every day on our tables. How dare we? Our purpose, doing what we love, is not found, is not finding the will of God or being in the will of God. This never fulfills us or gives us rest. This leads to a heavy load and more work. And for that reason, I repent of telling people to do that. God's will may be what Paul was for Paul for you. And I pray right now that your dreams are Jesus. That your purpose is Jesus. That your hopes and your goals are Jesus. And the person of work of Jesus. That that's what your whole hope, dreams, purpose, and plans are all with Jesus, for Jesus, on Jesus, because of Jesus, right? What God wants 
his redeeming plan. You know, when you live in this life and you go wherever it is to your jobs or, or home or volunteer or some, some people are, 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 you know, bound to a house because they're sick or whatever, did you know that every breath, every minute, every second, every thought, every action, everything you do is being fulfilled in this plan of redemption? That there's not one thing, one minute, one second of the day that goes by that's not purposeful. It's fulfilled 100% in the purpose of God. And there ain't nobody else on this earth that ever gets to have that. And it's by grace that that happens. The rest of verse 9, in all spiritual wisdom, what is that wisdom? The wisdom of God is the gospel. That's this wisdom. It's the wisdom of God is the gospel. It's being filled by God through our union with God, it is, a, it is spiritual meaning, it is by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to us. Jesus said, it's better that I go. So why? The Holy Spirit comes and he brings us to himself and he creates a new heart and a new mind. By the hearing of the word of God, we believe the gospel that Jesus Christ lived, right? Was born of a virgin, lived, died, buried, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. And therefore, we gain this spiritual wisdom, and we're being filled. The word filled is continuing being filled. It means it doesn't stop. There's a constant filling. I, it's just the way we're made. We're made to be worshipers. We're going to worship one thing or another. So there's constant filling. The Holy Spirit shines the light of, word, uh, the, light of the Word of God. So you never separate the Word from the Holy Spirit. It always shines on the Word, and it gives us a continual uh, spiritual wisdom it's, to be able to discern what is uh, the gospel the, the, the beauty of the gospel the gospel is never something you could figure out or contain there's always uh, so many different uh, sides to it and, and ways to see it and it's continually perpetual it fills us up and it's always what Christ has done we receive it now how does this happen how do we become filled with the knowledge um, one of the main ways is that we receive it through the gospel. That's why we come together to hear the gospel like we are today this morning and to see the gospel by word, meaning speaking the word, through the songs that we've been saying and also through the sacraments we're going to take, which is the Lord's Supper. These are God's means of building up faith and giving you faith, giving you wisdom, giving you love through these means. This also happens as we gather together in our squads as believers, as the church, building up one another, with one another. We share the gospel. We pray with one another as Paul's praying. We see how we can care and minister to one another. And Christ, through the body, says the body builds itself up in love. Christ does this through the body. Christ now ministers to us. You didn't know today, but that Christ has been serving you this morning. He's been ministering to your heart. And when you gather together in your squads, Christ ministers as well. He ministers through each and every one of you. Now, how can this be helpful in a time of hurt? The will of God, right? How can, how can this be helpful in a time of pain, time of trial? I don't know, but I know that there's always something going on. I had to ask for prayer this week and feeling so much better now, but man, I need it. I want, to, I want to just leave you with this last part as we uh, come to a close here with what I want uh, 
uh, what I'll describe as the outcome, what Jesus describes as the outcome of the will of God. John 14, 1 through 4. John 14, 1 through 4. If you have a Bible, open up there for me real quick, if you'd like. So here's one of the outcomes of God's overall will, his redemption. I think it's important and encouraging. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. This is Jesus speaking. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and will take you to myself. And that where I am, you may also, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. And of course, Thomas says, where's the way? And Jesus says in verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the outcome of the redeeming plan, the will of God for your life and my life. This is the only thing that makes sense in this world at all. Why you exist, why I exist, why there's all this good, why there's all this bad, why things happen, why things don't happen, why we're sitting here today, why we're breathing one more breath, is that Jesus goes to prepare for a place for us. And it all accumulates, all comes together to where he is, we're going to be there also. How many want to see God's face? How many want to see Jesus face to face? I'm telling you, there's no better place to be. It's the place that you look for in your purpose. It's the place you look for in your dreams. It's the place you look for in your goals, in your jobs, in your husbands, in your wives, in your kids, in your health, in your success, in things getting better. That's what you look for in a song, in a movie. It's what you look for in everything. It's the face of God. The place that's peaceful and restful. The place that says you're home, you're where you belong, your purpose has been fulfilled, your life has meaning. You're looking for the image of God, the very image that he made you in. You're looking for God himself. That's what I'm looking for. That's what that redemption is about. That thing that once separated, God put on his son, that it may bring us back to him. And that's why he says, I go to my father's house, and I Prepare a place for you. And I don't know where you're at today, but I just pray that you know that God goes to prepare a place for you. And there's nothing you've done for it and nothing you need to do for it. And there's nothing you can do to take that away. No bad you can do to ever keep him from going to prepare a place for you. Not what you did yesterday, not what you did today, and not what you're going to do tomorrow. Because it's on what he's done for you. He's the builder. He's the one that cares. He's the one that sacrifices. 
I want you to be encouraged, church, that the will of God comes to this, that he has that place for you and he has that place for me. As the worship team comes up, and I'm sorry I went a little long this morning. I had no idea how long it was going to be. But we're going to take of the Lord's Supper, and this is a visible presence. I wish I had a big piece of bread so I could show you where Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And that's him giving his life. That's why he says, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, because his life was broken, the perfect life. And we take it to remind ourselves that this is what God has done. He gave it all. That if you believe in him, you too can be with him. You too can be forgiven. Now's a great time to confess your sins, not so you can get right with God. He made you right with him, so therefore confess your sin freely so he can freely forgive you of your sins, because he already has. And then he took the, the cup and he says, this is my blood that was given out for you. It's a new covenant. Really, it's not a new covenant. It's the original covenant. It's the covenant that now has come to pass new because it was just a few late, years later in man's time. And it's not that many years back. It's a covenant that God keeps. It's a covenant that God has for your life. It's a covenant over your life that never can be broken. That's upheld by Christ. That's why you're here this morning. That's why you believe in Jesus. It's all his doing. Don't let that world tell you. Don't let culture tell you. Don't let other churches tell you. Don't let other preachers tell you that you've got to do something to be right with Jesus. That you've got to have your life together. That you've got to pull up your bootstraps and try to make things happen. I want you to know that you don't need to do that. You need to just let, lay back and rest in God's love and what he's done for you. You want to know the will of God is? will of God is to be obedient to God. You want to ask, will this cause me to be disobedient or obedient? There's your answer right away. Not in your own strength, in Christ's strength. Every time you obey God, that's Christ in you. Praise God for that. Say, thank you, Lord. I was able to not lift the middle finger. I was able to, you know, not cut that person off. I was able to not hate that person again. I was able to actually talk to you today. I was able to believe in you today. I'm telling you, I go through these times where I, I almost don't believe in God. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, how can I have these thoughts? Or why do I feel like I, 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 I can't, like, everything's going to come to an end or, or I don't have no faith. And this is 20-some years later. I've got to know that it doesn't rest in my ability to believe in God. Because faith is a gift. And you can rest assured that if you believe, you're His. And nothing is going to change that. That's him working in you. Yeah. If you are not a believer today and you haven't placed your faith in Christ, I ask you to respond by saying, yes, I want to believe in Christ. I want him to forgive me of my sins. I spoke to a man the other day. He's been a Catholic all his life. He sings in the choir. No knock to Catholics at all. I'm not at all. But he says, I, I asked him because he said he has cancer and blah, 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 and he looks great. He's 82 years old. And I just had to ask him, I said, man, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or how? And I shared the gospel with him. Why? And he says, I don't know. I said, guess what? My grandpa, he was your age. He was Catholic all his life. He said the same thing. And he went to church all his life. That's good news. You know why? Because there's no way for you to get to heaven by you knowing something that you're going to do or not do. Right? And I shared the gospel with him. And 
I pray he receives it. I pray he believes it. And I pray that you believe it. If you have not believed the gospel, you've not believed that Jesus died for your cross, for your sins, and we ask you not to partake of this, because it would say that you would do it unworthily, like, eh, it's no big deal. I'm just going to take of the Lord's Supper. That would be bringing condemnation on yourself. God would not want that. But if you have believed him, if even if today's your first day to say believe, and then you're welcome to come and partake as we partake and we see the gospel before us through, through uh, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. God bless you, church.